Salt, Sugar, Fat by Michael Moss Summary from 4-Minute Books Written by Nicholas Gouquet Read by Jonathan McGinley One-Sentence Summary Salt, Sugar, Fat takes you through the history of the demise of home-cooked meals by explaining why you love salt, sugar, and fat so much and how the processed food industry managed to hook us by cramming all three of those into their products. Favorite quote from the author. They may have salt, sugar, and fat on their side, but we ultimately have the power to make choices. After all, we decide how much to eat. Salt, sugar, fat is eye-opening. Michael Moss explains both why we love these three things so much and how the food industry has managed to jam-pack their products with all of them. The results are more than shocking, leading us to eat one and a half, four, or even twenty times as much as we should. Here are three major lessons from the book. 1. TV jobs and clever marketing ruined home-cooked foods. 2. You eat 50% more fat than you should, and it's because you can't taste it. And 3. It's not the food industry's fault that it offers so many bad foods. It's yours. Some mouthy claims here. We better take a closer look at them. Lesson 1. TV, jobs, and smart advertising mark the downfall of home-cooked meals. Gary Vaynerchuk always says, marketers ruin everything. He's right. In the 1950s, for the first time, women in America started taking jobs and creating careers on their own on a big scale. That, of course, meant more wealth and made the U.S. prosper but it also meant less time for cooking. Additionally, TV had just been invented, so naturally all eyes were glued to it. Who'd want to miss Bonanza, Lassie, or Tom and Jerry for boiling potatoes? So why not spend some of that hard-earned money on convenience foods, Americans thought. But don't think there wasn't any resistance. 25,000 teachers at the time taught a subject that is unheard of today, home economics. Yes, learning how to cook and manage a household was taught in school once. Why did we do away with one of the most useful subjects? I know I could have used some cooking skills prior to moving out, but marketers are smart, and so they hired some of those home economic teachers and started educating Americans about the ease of processed meals. This resulted in fictional teachers like Betty Crocker, who ended up promoting heat-and-serve meals across the entire nation with cookbooks, classes, TV shows, catchy slogans, and even showrooms. The combined power of being busy, TV, and the heavily marketed faces of convenient cooking eventually overpowered the home-cooked meal and took its place, and hasn't given it back until today. Lesson 2. You eat 50% more fat than you should, and it's because you can't taste it. I wish I could tell you about all three ingredients, but the summary only leaves room for one, but it's a big one. Fat. You probably know the whole evolutionary story of how our bodies have developed to crave sugar or its short-term energy boost could save our ancestors' lives. But do you know why you even love fat so much? Which has twice as many calories as sugar, taken gram for gram, by the way. It's because you don't have a built-in limit for fat. Unlike sugar or salt, you can never have too much fat. More is always better. At least that's what your body thinks. This is because we have taste buds for salt and sugar, but not for fat. Since all we do is sense its texture, which we love, we suck at estimating how much fat is in food and whether we've had enough of it already. Even worse, 
add sugar to the mix, and fat moves its operations even more to the background, hiding behind the taste of sugar. Talk about sugarcoating things. Apart from giving food an awesome texture and making it look a lot better, fat also increases shelf life, a very important quality for food processing companies, because the longer those canned soups are good to eat, the more time they have to sell it to you. As a result, tons of processed foods are full of tons of fat, and that's the reason why Americans, on average, eat 50% more fat every single day than they should. Lesson 3. It's not the food industry's fault that it offers so many bad foods. It's yours. Here comes the worst part of all of this. None of this is the food industry's fault. It's ours. We are responsible that food aisles and supermarkets are filled with crappy products. Why? Because we demand them. Yes, some government programs help, like the one in the UK, where food producers can voluntarily limit the amount of sodium they put in their products, but the root of the problem is consumer demand. Some companies showed goodwill. For example, Campbell cut out a lot of sodium from their soups. The result? Consumers started complaining, claiming the soups didn't taste as good because they weren't used to the low sodium amounts. Sales took a dive, and a few years later, up goes the sodium content. The same thing happened for Kraft, which set limits for salt, sugar, and fat for all new products in 2003. But the demand for their old, worse products got a lot stronger, so it was economically impossible for people to let them go. As long as we demand crappy foods, crappy foods are what we'll get. We have to change ourselves first, and then demand the rest of the world change with us. Salt-Sugar-Fat Review Salt-Sugar-Fat is gold. It introduces the three components along with how our bodies react to them and then moves on to how they rose to power in the foods we eat today. The research is interesting, and the statistics are shocking and powerful. No other book has ever made me want to eat healthier more than this one. And so far in 2020, I'm doing a good job. I'm eating out only two times per week, down from four to five, and prepare 90% of my meals myself. Go for the blinks. It's only a short set because they'll inevitably make you want to buy the book. So what else can we learn from the blinks? What our sugar bliss point is and how it changes over time. How many teaspoons of sugar you should have per day and how many you actually have. The shocking discovery one dentist made that explained his surgeon patients why Kellogg's Frosted Flakes weren't always called that, and what happened so they changed the name. The statistic that racked up $100 billion social bill each year since 1999. How much cheese you eat in a year, and why it's so much, and why that's Ronald Reagan's fault. What potentially fatal condition hit one in four Americans in the 1980s. The first step you can take today to cut the problem off at the root. Who would I recommend the salt-sugar-fat summary to? The 29-year-old business employee who had an easy time justifying processed foods with how much she works. The 41-year-old husband who always wondered why he could never resist his wife's wonderful butter cupcakes. And anyone who thinks the food industry really needs to change.